Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. This is our match preview. Newcastle welcome Burnley up to St. James' Park on Saturday evening. A win would put them on seven points out of a possible 12 heading into the international break. We're going to look ahead to that game. Hello, thanks for tuning in. Andrew Musgrove here. We're previewing Burnley's visit to St. James's Park, an 8pm kickoff live once again in front of the Sky Sports cameras. I'm not really sure why Sky have chosen this game, given the last few haven't exactly been memorable ones in this episode we're going to speak to Alex James from Lancashire Live he's the Burnley writer he'll be up at St James's Park tomorrow night first off we're going to hear a little bit from Steve Bruce from his press conference on Friday morning where he's asked about injuries and unfortunately it's not good news when it comes to Newcastle United's Jamal Lascelles. Jamal Jamal and um and Emil Kraft are, uh, are a bit of a problem we'll see how they are again today um, they are my concerns because defensively, Fab Shah is okay. He played for half an hour the other night, which is which is good news. He's really ahead of schedule, so delighted that we've got him back. So, uh, but defensively, we're still a bit light with Dummy and Kieran Clark, and with Emil and Jamal thrown into the mix. Then, and that leaves us a little bit light in that department. So there you have it, Jamal Lasalle's likely to be missing from Newcastle's starting eleven on Saturday night. A big blow captain isn't he he's a good leader and he's you know a very decent defender and more than that it's the options Newcastle as Steve Bruce referenced there that the options they haven't really got now in central defence good to see Fabian Share back he came off the bench against Newport and, and got some minutes under his belt and as Steve Bruce mentions he's ahead of schedule so you would think he is probably the one to start but then Newcastle are only one injury away from a, a very real crisis in terms of personnel at the back and we know that Steve Bruce thought he had Rob Holden in on loan from Arsenal so maybe going forward um, in the last few days of the transfer window we may see a loan signing come in Steve Bruce said he doesn't expect to be busy there certainly doesn't seem to be any fees um, going to be paid out to bring somebody in unless it's a, a really good deal loans I mean they've got their quota to use up so if anyone comes in it's going to be a loan deal I think and and it's probably going to have to be a centre-back that they do bring in to just offer some cover. Because even the likes of uh, Kel Watts, who you know stood out in, in the under-23, he, he's obviously out on loan. So where he may have ended up on the bench, obviously he can't because he's down playing for Plymouth. But good news on Alan St. Maxim. He looks like he will be fit and raring to go against Burnley. Steve Bruce said Friday's training session was a big one, a big one for him. Um, kind of just to prove that he's he's fit and, and ready to go. But he looks like he has recovered from that ankle injury. And, it, you know, it's strange because on paper, Newcastle have had a good start to the season. You know, they could end this first bit of the, the campaign with seven points out of a possible 12, a quarter-final place in the League Cup. And on paper, everything looks brilliant. But we know off it on social media, there's questions over 
the style of play um, that Steve Bruce has got his team undergoing at the moment. And, and we'll hear now what Steve Bruce had to say on the criticism because it, it didn't disappear with that victory, that penalty shootout victory over Newport. In a way, it was kind of re- reignited, I think, by some um, because Newport dominated for so long in that game. Newcastle struggled really to get hold of it despite... What was it, 27 shots on goal, 10 on target? But here, Steve Bruce asked about the criticism that he's faced of late about the style of play of his team. Yeah, look, you know, I've, I've made no secret of the fact that six times out of seven, this the games we've played, we've gone to a back four and played two up top, either as two centre-forwards or, or one off the front, if you like, if that's the modern way of putting it. So... You know, we, we are in the middle of change and it will take a bit of time. And, and of course, that's what we're trying to put into place. Now, when you do change, then unfortunately, you're going to get a few inconsistencies. But it's been levelled that with that, well, there's no direction. Well, hang on a minute. I've played the same formation in six of the seven games we've played so far. So I don't know what the problem is there. Look, we haven't played well enough. I'll grant you that. But this thing of tactics and no direction and all the rest of it, somehow I feel as if it's not balanced and it's not right. Now, if somebody wants to pull me on that then and question me on it, then I'll quite rightly have the conversation. But it's pretty obvious, I would have thought, that if you watched us over the last seven, seven games, yes, we reverted back to a back three against Spurs, but... The other six games, we've tried to change, tried to play with the back four, tried to play with one up and one off the front, if that's the way you want to put it, and have a bit of pace in a wide area. That's what we're trying to achieve. Now, I hope that's pretty evident for everybody to see. I grant you one thing. We haven't played well enough on a couple of occasions. Okay, but let's not dissect it and be the way we are because there has to have a balance to all this. And I hope that we can... Keep it moving forward with it. It will take a bit of time, but that's the way I want to go. I've always said that's the way I want to go, and that's what we're trying to achieve. So there are the views of Steve Bruce when asked about the criticism that he's faced, that is side-faced over tactics, over style of play. We're now going to hear from our chief sports writer, Lee Ryder, who was in that press conference, and I asked him what he made of Steve Bruce's comments this clip is a little snippet from a full podcast which you can hear from Lee, which will also be available to download shortly after this one as well as on our YouTube channel as well at the Everything's Black and White podcast on YouTube. Here's Lee's reaction to Steve Bruce's comments. If you can remember life before the lockdown, that press conference at West Brom where he, he went he went off, he flew off the handle, didn't he, after that game about certain reports and today was very similar to that um he you know the, he, he got asked a couple of questions that that really seemed to to rile him um and maybe that's the theme he wants to take into the game you know get everyone fired up again and you know when when the players are looking back at a press conference like that then they uh i think they enjoy it i think they enjoy seeing the passion from the manager um they certainly did after the west brom game and i think it'll be the same same with this because to them, that's him going out and defending them and, you know, going into a press conference and publicly backing his players. Um, 
you know, when they got beat at Brighton, he quite rightly criticised them. But, you know, you know, after them getting a good point at Tottenham and getting through in the cup, uh, that was um, was huge, huge, huge week for the players. The way, Internally, they'll be delighted with that, that they've got them two results. Whether they were pretty or not, they'll be delighted. And they now just need to try and sign off against Burnley. So there we have the view of Lee Ryder. Now it's time to hear finally from Alex James from Lancashire Live. He covers Burnley home and away and he gives some insight into how Burnley have got on so far this season. Whether uh, Sean Dyche is under any pressure, the big loss of Jeff Hendrick, of course, who joined Newcastle from Burnley on a free transfer in the summer and much, much more. This is a really insightful detail into Newcastle United's opponents on Saturday evening. It's an interesting game this weekend, Alex. Um, one that Newcastle, I would say, have to win and win more than just collect three points. Do it in a bit with a bit dominance and a bit style. And for Burnley, I mean, they've lost their first two games of this season. Things don't look particularly rosy um, looking from the outside in. Is it a must win for Burnley even this early on? Do you know what it probably is? It's certainly a must-not-lose. I think with the international break coming up as well, after this one, to to go into that three defeats from three would be a, a really bad start to the season and leave Burnley playing playing catch-up before we started, really. So I'm not sure it's a must-win with any kind of style or dominance. I think it's just go there and get a result. Um, ideally three points, but at least one. Can I just say you sound a little, little, little bit like Sean Dyche there for a moment. I was <laughs> taking a double take there. <laughs> Maybe I've been um, spending too much time with him. <laughs> and what's it like then at the moment? Because obviously, towards the end of last season, um, there was kind of rumblings of a, maybe, I don't know if discontent is the right word, but things weren't particularly happening that maybe Daesh wanted to happen in terms of contracts. And I don't know what it's been like after the season finished. But, you know, he's he's a legend down at, at Burnley. But are things starting to, to fall away a little bit? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure if things are starting to fall away necessarily from from the playing side of things. I think what what sort of got Daish's back up last season was the contract situation, which um, involved Jeff Hendrick, who I'm sure we'll come on to in a bit, uh, Joe Hart and Aaron Lennon. All three of those were allowed to leave because essentially Burnley didn't get their their act together and get those deals sorted in the early part of the season, um, and then that sort of snowballed into. Daesh making a few comments, which which he was, I think he was right to make, and, and they were only sort of factual statements that that business hadn't been concluded earlier. They've got a host of first-team players out of contract next summer, um, so they're in danger of the same thing happening again. They haven't been able to strengthen as much as they'd like. They've only really brought Dale Stevens in um, in terms of strengthening the first 11 from Brighton. They've got a lengthy injury list at the moment, sort of five, six players out, um, which doesn't help when when you're Burnley and you operate with sort of 2022 senior players. Uh, so they do need new faces. There's talk of a takeover in the background as well. So whether that's having a bit of an impact on money being made available and what can be spent um, over the next 48 hours or so. So all in all, it's, it's a depleted looking Burnley, but it was also a depleted looking Burnley for the last nine games of last season. And, and they lost the first one to City and the last one to Brighton. And in between, but uh, a really good run together and sort of we're in with a chance of the Europa League for, for large parts of that. Well, that was what I was going to ask because they finished the season so strongly. 
after the lockdown was kind of lifted for football. So what's gone wrong at the start of this season? I know we're only a couple of games in, but why, have, why, why hasn't that form been able to be carried through? Yeah, injuries have played a big part. Um, if you were sort of picking the first choice 11, they're probably three or four short of what you would you would say is their first choice 11, particularly at centre-back. And that's been the real issue. James Tarkovsky and, and Ben Mee haven't, fe- haven't featured yet in the league. So they've had to play um, Kevin Long, who is a, a capable deputy and, and has been over the years at Burnley. But Jimmy Dunn has come in as well, who hadn't played a senior game above League One in this country um, and was sort of chucked in against Leicester and, and Southampton. Uh, so that, that hasn't helped because that sort of base that me and Tarkovsky give them, I mean, they're one of the sort of best centre-back pairings in the league, really, and that, that base hasn't been there. Um, so that's been one sort of shortfall. And the other one is the squad depth, which is a combination of lack of signings and injuries, means that during the game, there's there's not much Dice can do off the bench. He, he's sort of looking and he's got a couple of fullbacks and and five kids, really. Um, so there's just precious few options available to him to try and change something in-game. So in terms of how the season started, is Dice under pressure to... I don't want to say turn it around because it is so early on, but I just see the comparison to Newcastle. I mean, Newcastle could head in this international break, seven points out of 12, so if they beat Burnley, um, and in the quarterfinal of the League Cup. And Steve Bruce, uh, he isn't under pressure, but there's a lot of there's a lot of criticism on social media from fans and there's, there's questions over style of play and what have you. So it's not as easy as it looks maybe on paper when you look at them statistics. Whereas is Dyche in a bit of a different position? Yes, it's not started well, but you know he's not under threat. His job's not under threat, and the fans are still are still behind him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dyche could probably play himself at centre back, and the fans would still support the move. Um, he he's done. He's worked wonders at Burnley. He's coming up to eight years. He's got two promotions to the Premier League under his belt. We're sort of established. Um, I mean, he wouldn't say that, but. You would have to say Burnley are kind of established as a top five club at the moment. They've been in Europe. So his position is not under any threat whatsoever in terms of um, in terms of him being sacked. Uh, but having said that, he won't want to be sitting for two weeks between um, Saturday and, and West Brom in the play after the international break, looking at a squad that might be a bit thin on the ground with a couple of injuries and no points on the board. So we'll talk about the game then. I mean, it's not a game that strikes excitement into most and Sky have decided to let the whole nation suffer a bit by putting it on um, you know, TV. I remember that last game at St. James's Park and it was one of the worst games I've seen in recent times and there's been quite a few of them, but that one was up there um, and then I think Burnley won the, the corresponding fixture 1-0, which, which again wasn't um, one to write home about. What do you see happening this weekend, this Saturday, is it? I mean, they're going to cancel each other out, aren't they? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be expecting a four-three. Um, I think Burnley last um, last time they came to St James's, that was by by far one of the sort of more stagnant performances from them. Really, I, I don't really remember them creating too many clear-cut chances in that game. I don't but think they, were, they had a shot on target. I've just checked the stats and I don't think that, they had a Yeah, that shot. sounds about right. But they were solid um, and it, they, they weren't, Newcastle weren't able to break them down. So I think Burnley's starting point will be that again to make sure that they're compact, they're in their shape, they're tough to beat um, and then try and exploit 
from set pieces, perhaps trying to exploit on the counter and, and get Dwight McNeil into a bit of space. Uh, but yeah, it is going to be a close, even contest. I can't see anything other than that. So let's talk about Jeff Hendrick, who obviously left Burnley to join Newcastle this summer. A very capable Premier League player, experienced without really grabbing much of the headlines. Um, and he came to Newcastle making clear that he wanted to be a central midfielder. That's, you know, I think that was part of maybe the reason as well he maybe left Burnley because he wasn't being utilised maybe in the position he wanted. And then all of a sudden he's found himself on the flank at Newcastle and, and doing a decent enough job. You know, he, he scored against West Ham. He set up the goal as well for Callum Wilson. Um, how big of a loss to Burnley was he? I mean, it, it was a loss because he would be playing on the right of midfield for Burnley this week if he was still here. Um, but he was never going to sort of be one of that starting midfield too. He is probably similar to what it's like at, at Newcastle, actually. Sean Dyche has got Ashley Westwood and Jack Cork as his favoured pairing. Josh Brown will come in in January and has done really well since um, and did really well last season as well. Uh, so in that sense, it's, it's probably a little bit similar. He's probably, he's probably swapped one for the other and, and he finds himself in exactly the same boat in that he's, he's workmanlike, he'll, he'll give us all, he's, he's versatile and he'll slot in on the right where needed. And yes, he wants to play in the middle, but he's got obstacles in his way and, and at the moment he hasn't been able to shift them. And it, it seems like that's been the case at, at Newcastle as well. I know, he, did he play in the middle at, at Spurs but then got moved out again anyway? He did, so. yeah. So you got, you got moved out on the right, I can't, maybe half an hour ago. I mean, Obviously, he was at Burnley for, for a long time, and I don't know how, how long that um, I'm, is dilemma the right word for him, where he, he's out on the right and he wants to be in the centre, went on for. But how did he handle that? I mean, can you give a bit of insight to our listeners about his kind of attitude and application? I mean, one would assume, you know, it's spot on after hearing what people have said about him. Um, but obviously, he, he's not going to be happy to play out on that, on that right, you know, for a long time going forward. You, you wouldn't think so. I mean, he did play in the middle for Burnley. He has played in the middle for Burnley um, and sort of earlier on in his Burnley career where there was a little bit of experimentation in terms of 4-5-1. He was playing just off the striker, which might be his best position, but he, he didn't get much of a run there and, and Burnley are pretty rigid in 4-4-2 in as well. It's, it's very rare they don't play two up front. Um, so he's found himself on the right. He's not a natural winger, um, he's he's not you know he's not blessed with great pace. He's probably never going to beat a man, but for Burnley particularly, he was able to do that job of protecting the fullback, working really hard, and retaining possession. And he chipped in with the odd goal as well. Um, attitude wise, I've, I've never heard anything bad said against him. I think you probably need to look at his Instagram. I think and he was in the he was in the gym and doing all sorts of weights and, and keeping himself in you know in superb condition over the summer where he was unsure as to to what was coming next for him um, and he's you, you don't hear a, I mean he doesn't do a great deal of media interviews um, but you don't hear anything about him in terms of uh, sort of complaining or, or whinging or getting his back up about being out of position so from that point of view I think he will sort of settle in and play where he's needed but having moved to try and avoid that he, he probably will be knocking on, on Steve Bruce's door and saying what can I do to convince you I play in the middle whether that's you you know Newcastle changing formation a little bit, or or him in one of those regular starters. Yeah, it'd be certainly interesting to know what he was promised when he was having the talks. Because I mean, of course, there were other clubs after him, namely EC Milan. But he has got 
John Joe Shelby, Isaac Hayden, Longstaff Brothers, all, well, at least three of them are probably ahead of him in the queue to play in that middle. Um, so it'd be certainly interesting to see what he was promised when he was having talks, whether he was promised a, a role in the middle. Because like we say at the moment, he is on the flank. You mentioned there that he doesn't really do much media. I don't know if you read the quotes from Steve Bruce about um, the unveiling kind of, and that he wanted all the signings lined up, I think it was for the Sky Sports, you know, when they walk into the camera thing. And, yeah. and he didn't really want to do it. And, you know, <laughs> that kind of shows in a day and age where social media is really important and all that cameras in your face. And he just wanted to, to, to get back on the training pitch back in the gym. And I think that's a really good sign of a, a really good professional in this, in this modern day football world. Yeah, I think I, I remember doing a piece probably 18 months ago with um, one of his coaches at uh, his boys club back in Ireland. Um, and he was with Robbie Brady. So him and Robbie Brady are big pals. Um, and it, it was sort of evident from that that he always just wanted to play football. Um, and he's got a lot of pride in sort of, uh, I don't know if making it's quite the right word, but coming over to the to England and, and becoming an established Premier League player and the, the pride that that gives him and that he's able to sort of take back home with him as well. So it, he is, he's a nice lad. He's done a couple of interviews with us, but he, I wouldn't say he's, he's a natural in front of the cameras in terms of, of media. But as you say, he just wants to get, get his head down and, and get on and, and, and play football. Let's go back to Burnley then. If you were sitting down with Steve Bruce and you were saying, this is what you need to look out for, this is Burnley's main strength, what would it be? I think, um, I mean, Dwight McNeil is the obvious answer uh, because he's the one player Burnley have who can sort of produce a moment of magic, something out of nothing, um, and and find themselves that bit of guile and creativity. Uh, But Chris Wood as well, for the last sort of, it's probably in... Uh, pretty underappreciated as a Premier League striker. Um, he scored double figures in the last three Premier League seasons, which is no mean feat, especially in a, a Burnley side who are sort of mid to lower table for for a couple of those seasons. Um, he leads the line really well. He can sort of hold the ball up. He can cause problems in behind. And he's brilliant at sort of dealing with set pieces and those Dwight McNeil crosses, which Burnley have a lot of success with. So, I think from Newcastle's point of view, switching our set pieces will be key because Burnley do make the most of, of any opportunities to put the ball into the box and find the likes of, of Wood um, and potentially Ashley Barnes if he's fit as well. So it might be music to your ears then to hear that Steve Bruce has said Jamal Lascelles, who's Newcastle's captain, is a doubt. Emil Kraft, who was a fullback, he's been playing centre-back in the Cups. He's also a doubt. They were without Kieran Clark. So right. that, that leaves Federico Fernandez a really good defender um, to partner with Fabian Cher who only came back from injury in the cup competition so he's not going to be fully fit or um, Isaac Hayden moving into centre-back which could play into Jeff Hendricks' hands but it wouldn't be ideal up against someone of Chris Wood's ability. So Yeah, it's similar to Burnley that and at the back because they've just welcomed Tarkovsky back in a similar way to, to what you were saying about Shah. He only played his first minutes against City in the cup in midweek so He's going to come back in, I would, I would imagine, and partner Kevin Long, who doesn't play every week, although he's at the moment. So it, it's similar in the sense that both sides look look stretched defensively. So maybe four three is on the cards. <laughs> well, what's their biggest weakness then? Like, what what can Newcastle look to exploit? Um, I mean, I think from Steve Bruce's point of view, he'll know exactly what he's going to get with Burnley, which is 
a, a sort of tactical shape. Um, without the ball, they're very good. They're narrow. They're hard to break down. What they don't allow is sort of crosses into the box and short sort of build-up play. But they, they are prepared to stand off uh, on the edge of the box and allow someone like John Joe Shelby to try his luck from 25 yards. Um, that's something that really have sort of fallen short on a little bit. And it's why Barkovsky and Ben Mee are always top of the clearances in the blocks because they're, they're prepared to let people get their shots off and range, banking on the fact that they're 25 yards out. The chances are less likely to go in, we'll get in the way. And if we miss it, Nick Pope will produce a saving goal. So that's an area that I've noticed, particularly over the last sort of six, 12 months where, where they've allowed teams to, to have shots from sort of 20 to 30 yards and that, that can catch Burnley out when you've got someone like a Shelby who as we saw in midweek has got the quality to, to plant a couple in the top corner. We've also mentioned Chris Wood there and I guess this might be the answer to, to the next question or like you say Dwight McNeil as well is another name we've mentioned but who is the star player for Burnley that Newcastle really do need to keep quiet? Yeah, I mean Wood is probably the most the man most likely in terms of goals Um you won't be surprised to hear that Burnley have got injury concerns up front as well. Um, Jay Rodriguez, he, he finished last season really well. Uh, he's out with an ankle problem and Ashley Barnes is on his way back, played for the first time in midweek. So it'll be a, a toss-up between him and Massey Vidras to who, who starts alongside Wood. So Wood's probably the main goal threat. In terms of sort of star men, the, the main three at Burnley have been Pope, James Tarkovsky and, and Dwight McNeil. Those are the three you look at it and think these are the crown jewels of this squad if if you keep them together and build a squad around those over the next two or three years then you know you're looking at a solid Premier League setup. Um Tarkovsky's obviously just coming back to full fitness. Uh so Pope provides that level of security. He's assured and he comes for everything set piece wise. He's he's brilliant at dealing with crosses. He comes for everything and he catches most things. Uh and Dwight McNeil who Perhaps hasn't found his feet so far this season, albeit we're only two games in. As I said before, he's the man most likely to sort of unlock a defence, really. So it'll be um, it'll be a challenge for Newcastle on that right-hand side with with McNeil and, well, Newcastle's right, Burnley's left, with McNeil and Charlie Taylor, who gets forward well. The two of them link up really well as well. So I think that's where Burnley will be looking to exploit is, is the full-back area and getting in behind and getting those crosses in for, for the likes of Wood and Barnes. Just a couple of questions then to finish off on Newcastle. What are you most looking forward to seeing in terms of Newcastle? Is there a player that you're you're looking forward to watching on Saturday? I'm looking forward to seeing how Jeff Hendrick fares, but I feel like we've we've probably covered him enough already. Um, but it, it will be interesting to see where he plays and just sort of how he copes with um, with that sort of tussle with Burnley because they're if they do end up playing. Um, one of their central midfielders out wide as well. It'll be a relatively even matchup there. So who gets the best in that area of the pitch could be key. Uh, other than that, um, I've always liked Callum Wilson. I think he's a he's a really good signing. Um, it'll be a good test for him up against Tarkovsky as well. And I think previously when Burnley have played Bournemouth, they've always had a good record against Bournemouth. Um, and I know Newcastle have got half a Bournemouth team now, haven't they? So we'll be... Um, hoping that from a Burnley point of view that, that that can continue. But Wilson's sort of one of those players who I've always thought has got a, a good all-round package. He can lead a line. He's, he's got a little bit of pace. He's got an eye for goal and he can stretch defences. So it'll be interesting to see how Burnley cope with him, particularly given that their back line is a, is a little bit vulnerable in terms of injuries at the minute. 
And is this a game which Burnley fans and even Burnley themselves look upon as one they should be winning, given you know they finished really strongly last season? They are now an established Premier League club. How do they look upon Newcastle as opponents? Yeah, I think away from home, I think Burnley um, will always go there with the, the setup of being solid and in trying to ensure that they don't get beat. Um, but as you said, there's probably a cluster of teams of which Burnley and Newcastle are two of them who are going to be vying for the same sort of positions and are going to be trying to be that team that Sheffield United and to a certain extent Burnley were last season and ending best of the rest behind perhaps the top eight. So from that perspective, it is a game that Burnley have to look at and think this is one where we can get three points. I think the difference perhaps this time is because they've lost their first two, the need to not lose it might outweigh the need to go out there and win it um, just to try and ensure that that they don't uh, enter that international break with with three defeats from three. And I suppose it depends on whether Newcastle view a, a point at home to Burnley as a as a result to take and, and put in their pocket and sort of, I guess, would have a, a solid opening to the season now as, as to whether they also might fancy a draw, meaning that I fancy a draw as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an interesting one. I think... Yeah, Steve Bruce talked about criticism today in his press conference and you can hear a bit of that in the audio version of this um, preview. It's interesting because, like I say, as we mentioned before, on paper, it looks like they've had a great start of the season, but visually it's not been brilliant. And it's it's interesting to see how Steve Bruce is dealing with the kind of criticism and it's, it's, it's not going to be easy against Burnley to change the way they're playing because Burnley are so rigid and, and they're very, you know, they're strong and they're kind of straight to the point in the, in the way that they maybe deal with, you know, pressure on the pitch, um, you know, in terms of clearing the ball and, and what have you. So it's going to be interesting to see if Steve Bruce can start a change the, the way he plays and maybe win a few fans over. I don't think it's going to start with Burnley on Saturday. Um, you mentioned there Burnley's way of thinking is a point more important than a win kind of thing. Your score prediction, is it going to be a point? Is it going to be three points or no points um, hopefully from Newcastle's point of view <laughs> I think uh, I think I'll go 1-1 one, one and perhaps sit on the fence there I, I do want did wonder whether playing without a crowd might be helping Newcastle in some ways because I, I know that that can have an effect and you spoke about criticism now and it seems like every time you you sort of read anything about Steve Bruce there's people sort of suggesting that he might not be the right man to leave, lead the club forward a little bit so it'd be interesting to see if they, they do or they are a bit more free-flowing from my point of view than, than maybe they were last time round last season without a crowd in place. Um, but I do think it's two pretty evenly matched teams. And I think Burnley having Tarkovsky back is massive and it might just give them that little bit of resilience that they lacked at, at Leicester in their last away game and, and be enough to earn a share of the spoils. Well, there we have it, Alex. Thank you very much for joining us. To those watching, please remember to like and subscribe. And hopefully... From Newcastle's point of view, we're celebrating three points on Saturday night. So just a quick note, we're now over on YouTube at the Everything is Black and White podcast. And if you're liking what you're hearing, why not come and see what we're producing? We'd really like you to hit subscribe. We're also over on Instagram at Chronicle NUFC and in the usual place on Twitter and Facebook. We'd really like the likes, the reviews and the subscriptions because without your continued support, we can't get very far. So thank you very much for listening.